You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Mark. Marcos for my Espanol friends. No Latinos or Latinas here today? Well, you're usually louder than that. <laughs> anyway, it's good to be here. Um, Mark chapter 11, and I'm not going to take a long time, but I, I do believe that I have a word from the Lord for you here today. I feel like I am on assignment from God and that we came here. You know, you when you came here, you came here to have an appointment with God. You know what? He also showed up to that appointment, and he's here to minister to you and to bless you, and I, I'm, I'm grateful to him for always always being amongst his people. There's something real special when people gather together in the name of Jesus that he he shows himself in very special ways. You know, we have our own individual relationship with him, which is wonderful, isn't it? But when we come together, there's a whole different dynamic of the presence of God. And I love the house of God. I love the church and always will. The church saved my life. You know, when I was, I was called to preach when I was 10 years old in southern Oklahoma. That's where I'm originally from. You know, I tell people, I, there's an old joke why hasn't Texas fallen into the ocean? I don't know if y'all know this or not. Well, the old joke is because Oklahoma sucks. But, but, but my, my version is, why hasn't Texas fallen in the ocean? Because it's clinging for life to Oklahoma. <laughs> but that one usually doesn't go over very well. Anyway, but in this little, little uh, country church in Thackerville, Oklahoma, um, the Lord called me to preach at the age of 10. And I knew God had touched my life. It was so uh, it was just a phenomenal experience. I've never had anything quite like that happen since. And so, and I knew as later on in life, I knew why the Lord had made that meeting so powerful because when I got into my teenage years, uh, you know, um, the call of God wasn't as prevalent on my life because I had girls to think about and, 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 and uh, mischief to accomplish, you know, just what boys do. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't shake that call overall. It still continued to call to me in the night especially and, uh, and, and to, to haunt me. And being a pastor's son, I knew that I was going to be in church on Sunday. Sometimes I came to church just so uh, my dad wouldn't kill me. You know, I, I knew I was going to be in church, and it wasn't always the right motivation, but I was there regardless, right? And so, but that's what kept me, it really kept me, Staying in line because, you know, you, if you're in church every week, you really can't stray all that far because you come right back into the house of God. You're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I acted like an idiot this week. And you, you kind of get things right again, and then you go back out. And, but then Sunday's coming again. So it, it just kept me grounded. It just kept me grounded even in uh, my temptation to stray. And so I, I, it continues that way to this day. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that says, for we walk by faith. And not by what? Now, I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say we walk by faith and not by fear. It says we walk by faith, not by sight. There are some who say fear is the opposite of faith. I say, no, sight is the opposite of faith. Because it is, it is, it is limiting. Our, our physical sight is limiting to our faith. Because it can only see what it sees. You know, your eyes can see what they see, but they can't change what you see. You need something greater than what you can see. You need faith eyes. You need spiritual eyes to be able to see things as God sees them, not just how you see them in the natural, because we have this limited framework to work in. We have, we have a, a finite mind. We have limited view, but God sees everything. 
and he invites us to see things as he sees them and to experience his kind of life and his power in our lives by faith in him. So it's important. So we walk by faith. That's what the scripture says. As believers, this is what we walk by. It's how we begin in this whole thing, isn't it? How did you begin? How did you become a child of God? You put your faith in Jesus that he died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead. Am I in the right church? Right? And so by believing that, you were born all over again. You were made a child of the living God. A miracle took place. Isn't that amazing that it just took you believing and this supernatural miracle took place. You were recreated all over again and old things are gone and now new things have come. Now you think about how, how that spark of new birth happens in just a measure of faith and the potential of miracles in living and walking by faith is there all the time. So we can't be discouraged by what we see. We don't walk that way. We don't live that way. We walk by faith. Amen. Hebrews eleven six. you're probably familiar with this scripture. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to what? To please God. It's impossible. It's impossible. You know, you can be desperate, you can be needy and not be believing, and it ain't going to move him. It's not, that doesn't please him. Just being desperate. That doesn't please him just, just being needy. What pleases him is that you believe him. We believe him. We believe him. That's the most important thing. Now, if that's true, or since that's true, it's without faith it's impossible to please him. How many of you know that with, that, with faith it's impossible not to please him? When you're walking in faith, you're living in the pleasure of God every day of your life. Living in his pleasure. I love that. Living in the pleasure of your heavenly Father. So Jesus does this teaching in Mark chapter 11, and it's such a powerful teaching, and it's so important that we as believers really catch hold of this because it will change everything about your relationship with God. It'll change everything about your life, and it'll change especially everything about your prayer life. So Mark chapter 11 and verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, who's them? Well, them are his disciples at this moment because they had just come out of Jerusalem, they spent one day there. As they were going into Jerusalem the day before, Jesus was hungry, so he walked over to this fig tree to see if there was any fruit on it, and the fig tree produced nothing but leaves. So Jesus said, well, may no one ever eat fruit from you again, and they walked on into Jerusalem. The next day, they're coming out, and Peter says, whoa, 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 Jesus, look at that fig tree. It's all withered up. I mean, he saw it happen. He saw that the day before, it's full of green leaves. The next day, it was withered up. And then Jesus answered and said to them, have Faith in God. So how did Jesus make that tree wither? He had faith in God, apparently, didn't he? He, as a man, as a man, walked by faith. He said, have faith in God. So this is, this is the most important thing. This is the foundational truth for what he's about to add to this. All right? Everything starts here. Have faith in God. Let's all say that together. Have faith in God. And faith is a, is a present reality of our future hope. So this, this statement, is, it's crucial to what he's about to say next. Verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, whoever, everybody say whoever. whoever. Now let me ask you this. Who is a whoever? Is that you? I mean, it's kind of a wide open invitation, isn't it? Whoever. This is where we get to see ourselves in the text. All right? Whoever, who, if it says whoever, that's you. All right? Now you need to put yourself here so that you can see that this is applicable to your life right here in 2022. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have 
whatever he says. Well, that sounds kind of easy, doesn't it? Hmm? So faith in God, Jesus is teaching us have faith in God. So he's showing us faith in God is expressed in saying something without doubting. Does not doubt in his heart. Because doubting means to, to, to stand in two ways. All right? No, you just listen to our politicians. They stand in two ways all the time. Whatever gets the vote. Right? I'm sorry for telling you to listen to our politicians. Don't listen to them. They're, they're dummies. Listen to your pastor. So Jesus, think about this. He points to a mountain and says, whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea. I don't know about you, but this seems pretty irrelevant to really my life and where I live. Anybody got mount, physical mountains in your way that are just hindering you getting to work or going somewhere? Is that in your everyday course of life? Right? It just seems like, okay, it sounds like he's kind of exaggerating too to get his point across. Whoever says to this mountain, be, be cast into the sea. It sounds like he's training Jedis to learn how to master the force. You know, this, this is like so out of our, my scope anyway of like, Lord, if you could just give me an example that's a little bit more relatable to where I live. But, I mean, if he really expects us to understand this teaching of what it looks like to have faith in God, telling a mountain to be moved and thrown into the sea, uh, it just, it's just kind of outside of my scope. But see, here's the, here's the problem with that, is that we start trying to reason that. Oh, I don't ever need to do that. Why would I need to move a mountain? Well, what's the point of that? Or how in the world could that ever happen? Right? We start, reasoning is crazy uh, because it wrecks our faith if we, if we get too much up in here. Um, I was in Raton, New Mexico a few years ago. This was actually during the, the, during the pandemic. And every year uh, uh, I go out there and preach at a, at a, they have this tent revival out there on this property, we have some real good friends who are cattlemen, and also they do elk hunts. They, they got elk hunts. And uh, so they have this tent revival for two weeks out there. So fun. We get to go out there. My brother and I usually try to go about the same time, and, and we get to play cowboy. We'll saddle up and herd some cattle from one pasture to another, and then I'm sore for like a month and a half after I get home because I get to do that once a year. And if you ride a horse once a year, you're just going to be sore every time you ride it. And, um, but we like to pretend that, you know, we're John Wayne or whatever, but, and I was, I was out there, like I said, during the, during the pandemic, or just a few months into it, and I went to Sonic to get me a hamburger, now my favorite thing to get at Sonic is a double cheeseburger, and so I ordered the double cheeseburger, and the girl says, she comes back on the intercom, she says, I, I'm sorry, uh, we have a meat shortage due to COVID, you can, you can only order a single, and I said, well, okay, can I order two hamburgers, she said, yeah, I can't get a double burger? No. We have a meat shortage. Can I just add a, a patty on the side? Yeah, you can do that. But you can't put that on the hamburger? No, we got a meat shortage. I was like, this is insanity. But this is what reasoning looks like against faith. It doesn't make any sense. And we need something more than our own reasoning, because our own reasoning will even contradict itself somewhere down the road. Hmm? 
commanding a mountain to move is probably never going to be a situation that I find necessary to happen. I like the mountains where they are. I like to keep them there. I think, <laughs> so is, the question is, is Jesus speaking metaphorically or is he speaking literally? Well, can I, can I offer an opinion to you? I think he's speaking literally because he spoke to a literal fig tree the day before and he didn't say whoever says to a mountain, he says whoever says to this mountain. You can almost see him pointing at it. Whoever says to this mountain. Now, could that possibly, could it also be metaphorical as in a mountain of debt or a mountain of sickness? Or, oh, sure, I think all those things can be applicable. But we have to look at what the text is actually saying so that we can see what Jesus is really saying. And I believe that he is speaking to, uh, talking about a literal mountain. Now, there are times Jesus did speak in metaphors. One of my favorites is in John chapter 12. If we could bring that up right quick. John chapter 12 and verse 20. And John takes time to tell this little story, which is really kind of phenomenal because he said at the end of the gospel of John, he says, you know, lots more things Jesus did. And, and if we took the time to write all these things down, I don't even think the world could contain all the books that would be written about it. That means that John made, took special attention by, by influence of the Holy Spirit to write down what God wanted us to know then in just these few chapters. But he takes the time to talk, tell this story, which is really interesting. He says, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to the feast at the wor uh, to worship at the feast. Now, Greeks are us. Right? These are the people on the outside, Gentiles, people that are not Jews. Right? Now, Jesus said, I, I've not come but to the who lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus' earthly ministry was not to people like us. Now, you might get offended by that, but it's the truth. His earthly ministry, if we would have been around during that time, he wouldn't have paid any attention to us. That's the way it is. He just sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he was healing the Jews. He was teaching the Jews. There were two Gentiles throughout his whole three and a half years of ministry that received anything from him. It was because they had faith in him. And when he saw their faith, he saw Abraham. So he said, they get what Abraham gets. But other than that, nope. So John takes the time to talk about these Gentiles that of all the things, John, you can write about, all the important things you're going to tell this. And look at this now, look how bogged down in details it gets. Okay, let's go to the, verse 21. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Look at verse 22. So Philip came and told Andrew, well, Just get to the point already. Why, why are you going through all of these details? So they came to Philip, and then Philip went and got Andrew, and then in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So what are they telling Jesus? There's some Gentiles here that want to see you. Is that right? I mean, that's pretty much it. And, and, and they know that this is really out of character for Jesus' ministry anyway, so I'm sure they're, they're kind of sheepish in doing this in the first place. Oh, Lord, I know you're only sitting with the lost sheep at the house of Israel, but... And I think Philip came to Andrew because Andrew brings people to Jesus. Andrew was the one who brought Peter, his older brother, to Jesus. How many of you know that was a good move for the kingdom of God? <laughs> right? He also brought the little boy with the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus, and the miracle of the 5,000 being fed happened. Andrew was one. You don't know much about Andrew, but we do know one thing. He does bring people to Jesus. So I think that's why Philip, I'll get old Andrew. He'll, do, he'll bring anybody to him. All right? Now look at this, verse 23. But Jesus answered them, <laughs> I love this, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24. 
And most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Let's go back to Philip and Andrew. So is that yes? Nice poem, Jesus. What, what the heck? He's speaking in metaphors here, right? Well, the metaphor is actually answering the question. Right now, right now was not the time, not the time for that audience. But here, Jesus is talking about a day when he's going to be that seed that goes into the ground. And when that seed goes to the ground, much like him is going to be all over the world. So he speaks metaphorically, the kingdom of heaven is like, right? But here, this ain't no parable. Jesus is just talking straight talk with his disciples. There was a, a, a lady pastor in Africa, and I learned this story from a friend of mine who did construction. His name is Bud Kick. You have to say it slow. Bud Kick. <laughs> and Bud built several churches over in, in South Africa and uh, Swaziland and that area, which Swaziland is now called Eswatini. So in 2019, we got... Th- I got the opportunity to go with him back over there because we were going to build an extended church over in Eswatini. It was great. And, uh, <clears throat> but I, as we were there driving around, he told me this story about a lady that he had built a church for. He said, I got to tell you the story first. He said, this woman had a call from God and, and wanted to pastor a church. But the way it works in Africa is you can't just go build something. You have to go talk to your local chief, right, your tribal chief, and get their permission, and they can grant you some property. And so she goes to her chief. The chief did not like this because she was a woman. He didn't want any woman telling anybody what to do. And so he thought, well, she did come in a request. So he gave her the side of a mountain, knowing she couldn't build anything on it. But this didn't stop her. For about three months, She took Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, to heart, especially verse 23. And she would walk out there to that mountain. She'd say, mountain, be moved in Jesus' name. And nothing happened the first day, nor the second day, nor the third week, nor the fourth week, until about three months later, some (laughs) uh, excavation crew found her, and they said, we want to get some dirt off of your land if we could because we have to dam up the river down the road. Can we clear that and flatten that out for you? And she said, absolutely you can. And she watched these guys literally move that mountain and flatten it out. And my buddy, Bud Kick, went and laid a concrete foundation and they built a church on the side of that mountain. Maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus isn't exaggerating after all. Huh? Maybe this is real stuff. I mean, it's only irrelevant to those who are simply bound by their own reason or their own past experiences. The faith in God is not reasonable. It exceeds our own thinking. It exceeds our own senses and abilities. In other words, faith in God makes impossible things possible. So he shows us what faith in God looks like. Anything is possible for those who believe and speak. And then verse 24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So now it just ain't about mountains. He says, whatever things. How many of you know that's a wide open invitation from God to us? There are two important things I want us to see here before I quit. One, Jesus does not seem concerned at all about who 
is doing the asking. He says, whoever. I'm saying that because we are concerned sometimes with the who. When I pastored a church, I, uh, Heather and I uh, retired our church to my sister and brother-in-law last August. But I pastored that. I was a senior pastor there for 11 years. And um, my mother is known as a woman of prayer. You know why? Because she prays. And she's a woman. So she's a woman of prayer. <laughs> I, you know, simple deduction. <laughs> she, she, I mean, she, because when she prays, things happen. I mean, she, she prays by faith and she commands things. She doesn't, she doesn't pray, oh, Lord, if it be thy will. No, she just starts commanding things to happen. And I've seen it with my own eyes as a kid. Like, my mom is like the fourth person in the Trinity, possibly. And, and she was scary sometimes. I, my brother and I, we, we were fighting. We were teenage boys. We were at the house. Mom and dad were gone. We were, I mean, just wrecking the house. And the phone rings. So I go answer the phone. She says, stop fighting. I'm like, where is she? I mean, she's scary. But as a pastor of a congregation, I would have people in my church call me, their pastor, and say, I need you to tell your mom to pray for me. I'm like, I'm your pastor. Yeah, just get the message to mom, would you? Oh, okay. See, they, because they think it's the who. Think it's the who. If I can just get them to pray for me, I know. Hey, he, Jesus said whoever. All right, anybody. That's possible for anyone. Not just my mama. And, and it's also very interesting that he doesn't even show reluctance about what they're asking for. He ain't concerned about the who, and he ain't concerned about the what. He says, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. We go, see, we immediately start trying to reason that out, don't we? Oh, how does, does he mean whatever? I mean, because I've heard that you can't just ask for anything from God. You gotta be careful, make sure everything's lined up with his perfect will, otherwise you're wasting your breath. And how can you really know his perfect will? Because his ways are so past finding out and he's so mysterious and he's so far out there and he's God and he's sovereign. So, I mean, really, it's kind of a roll of the dice, isn't it? That's not what Jesus taught. Religious teachers have taught us that. People that have reasoned us out of faith. And Jesus makes it very clear. Whoever can have whatever. But here's the thing. He is very concerned about how we're asking. It ain't about the who. It ain't about the what. It's how. Believe you receive it. And you shall have it. That's it. Have faith in God. All right, it all starts with faith. Not faith, in your, not faith in your faith. Not faith in how your, the words in, of your prayer. Because we can get caught up in that stuff too. Oh, I don't have enough faith. I gotta have enough faith to do that. Have faith in God. That's it. And apparently there's a real lesson to learn here. Faith in God. By faith in God, it's impossible to pray the wrong prayer. Whoever can have whatever in the freedom and liberty of faith in God. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to pray better than I've prayed before. It makes me not want to be so sheepish and say those dumb religious prayers. Lord, we don't ask for much. Just help me and mine. I know you're busy up there. Uh, just look down upon us somehow, some way. Just meet our needs. Don't want nothing extra. Just... Food in the belly and a roof over my head. Oh, you know what that's called? Pride. 
And people act like that's humility. But that's pride. You're asking for that? All you're praying for is you and yours? This is all about you. How about bless me so much so that I can be a blessing to others? Spill it over my life. Because I think, if I remember right, I think Pastor Jeremiah's priestess, the blessing of Abraham says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. If you're the only one getting the blessing up just, just, just to the minimum, well, then your life is lived for you. You can't really reach out. You can't be a blessing to other people. Amen. But he calls us to whoever can have whatever, as long as you believe that you receive it. Does that help you today? I believe that I receive it. Can we say that today? I believe that I receive what I ask for in Jesus' name. And I love that Jesus doesn't backpedal on this. He doesn't try to, now, obviously, I don't mean whoever or whatever. No, we do that stuff. We try to reason ourselves out of, see what I'm saying? It's, it's, we're just trained to be religious. We're trained to be carnal. Just in this natural body, in this natural mind, it fights faith on every, on every turn. But that's why we have to go by the heart. For with the heart, one believes. Amen. So it's not about who is asking. It's not about what is being asked for. It's only about believing you receive your request when you pray. So you know what that means? Anyone can have faith in God. I love this. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us, Father, to expand in our faith today, to expand in our request, to not be afraid, to not approach you like you're our employer, but, Lord, more like you're our Father because that's who you are. And that we have an inheritance in our Father's house. Your word says, you who did not spare your own son, but you delivered him up for us all. How will you not also with him freely give us all things? If you'll give us Jesus, you'll give us anything. The Lord, help us today as your people, as your children, to be bold in our speaking, to be bold in our believing in the name of Jesus. Lord, you've promised you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You're able to make all grace abound toward us, that we having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Thank you, Father God, that no more, no more will we pray these small, meaningless prayers. But Lord, we will have faith in God and believe that we receive whatever that we have asked for in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your blessing upon this congregation. Thank you for your blessing upon Press Church. Thank you for your blessing upon Pastor Jeremiah and Maddie, Lord, as they lead this, this great people. Thank you for your blessing upon this community, upon Williston, Father God. Lord, I thank you that you breathe fresh on this place, that the Spirit of God, the, 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 the tangible presence of God be felt here, Lord. And as Pastor Jeremiah said earlier, that signs and wonders and miracles would be everyday experiences here. That this is the place where people can come to. This is, this place, this house is a refuge. This house is a place of healing. This house is a place of salvation. This house is a place of deliverance. Amen. This house is a place of blessing. This house is a place of favor in the name of Jesus. This house is a light to this community, therefore a light to this world in the name of Jesus. And this light shall never be put out or extinguished in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. It's great to be with y'all today. God bless you. Amen. Let's stand up as we...
Get ready to go. Were you blessed today? I know you were. I know you were. So we're going to have faith and believe today that uh, they're going to make their flight. They're going to have a safe flight on their way out today. We're going to have faith and believe that they're, uh, they're going to make their connecting flight as well. So uh, keep them in your prayers as we bring them to the airport today as we got to spend uh, a lot of days with them, but not enough days. And uh, hopefully my kids won't cry too much. So um, thank you all for being here. Let's pray and let me bless you and then we'll head out. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you that it is a seed planted inside of our spirits, Father, and it will bear fruit. It was something that we will chew on. It's something that we will stand on. It's something that we will believe on moving forward. What we heard today will manifest a harvest in our lives, and we let go. We release the thought process of what we had in regards to faith before this sermon, and we start believing for what God has for us going into our future. And we thank you for what you're doing in these people's lives. Father, I ask you to bless Pastors Eric and Heather, Father, as they travel back. I ask you to keep them safe, protect them. Father, I thank you that you continually bless them as you continually speak to them, as you continually love on them and provide for them. Father, I thank you for the next steps. I thank you for the future, Father. I thank you for the new words. I thank you for the new opportunities that are coming in their lives, Father. I thank you that you're opening doors that they don't even see that they can step into because, Father, they have planted seed time and time and time again, and it's time for those harvests to come into life. It's time for the season of the harvest to show up in their lives, Father. Father, and I thank you for what you're doing and speaking and saying in their lives. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for these people. Father, I thank you that they have the mind of Christ. Father, I thank you they are the head and not the tail. Father, I thank you they are blessed in the city. They're blessed in the field. They're blessed where they are right now, and they're blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. The favor of God surrounds them like a shield, and everything they put their hands to must prosper because you are on their side, and you are causing them to be victorious. Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth. We are are a city that refuses to be hidden, Father, that we will go out and we will tell people this glorious gospel message because if it changed my life, if it changed their lives, we know that we can tell it to anyone and it will change their lives and it will impact them because it is the power to salvation. And Father, I thank you that everyone here is healed by the stripes of Jesus. There is sickness in their body. Right now, we release healing power into their body. We take authority over sickness and say it must flee, and that Jesus' stripes was strong enough to heal them of their sicknesses and their diseases. So, Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored. Father, protect them, bless them, and cause them to triumph in everything they do this week and bring them back safely next week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.